Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. When you love meat, you find a way to take it with you everywhere you go, especially when it comes to getting outdoors. That's why Smithfield has so many high-quality, delicious meats that are perfect for any outdoor adventure. Whether the park you're headed to is a national park or just the one down the street, like Smithfield marinated roasted garlic and cracked black pepper fresh pork tenderloin, expertly seasoned for on-the-go flavor, or prime fresh smoked ham that'll have you building on-the-go sandwiches packed with flavor. Smithfield Extra Meaty Back Ribs bring hand-selected perfection to the backyard, and Smithfield Anytime Favorites will help you take the ham you savor to the places you love. From diced ham that'll turn any picnic into an outdoor feast, to hickory smoked boneless ham steaks that are the perfect cap to any hike. The great outdoors just got greater with Smithfield. For the love of meat. Hello and good morning. Welcome to another episode of the Nomad Strength Show. I'm Ross Hillier. Well, I guess it's morning for me. I don't know when during the day you're listening to this, so it might not be morning for you, but it is for me. Uh, so I'm going to say good morning. This is the Thursday solo shows. Uh, they're a little bit shorter than the regular shows that come out on Mondays that are usually with interviews and guests. Uh, we do these to keep topics and content a little bit shorter for short drive, short commutes, uh, workouts, that kind of thing. They're good to pop on during that kind of... Uh, life moment, I guess you could say in your life, whatever you're doing at that time, they're a little bit, a little bit more condensed. So, uh, today we're going to go over something that I've been getting some questions about, uh, quite a bit in the last handful of weeks because of what season of year it is. And I wanted to actually turn this into a much broader topic because the question I get asked about or have been getting asked about is in relation to gardening and what I'm doing in uh, the garden that I've got going on at my place. I've posted about it a handful of times. And uh, last year I posted about it a lot because last year was really the first year that I went big on it at my house. And uh, it's probably double what it was even last year. I kind of, I don't know if you could say overboard because I wanted to do that, but I might be in a little over my head, but that's how you learn. So, uh, but I wanted to go a little bit more broad with the gardening topic and talk more a little bit about the self-sufficiency aspect of gardening and why I believe that it's so important for uh, us to learn those skills and and practice that kind of stuff now uh, and what it might mean in the future to be really self-sufficient and how that can be beneficial and really how that is the true, the truest form of freedom, I believe, that can exist in in the country right now in the states uh, is the ability to grow your own food and be completely separated from the institutions of food and in all of the supply chain things that you know on a whim could 
really go south or disappear. And we saw a little bit of that last spring when the kickoff of COVID and everything hit and, you know, people were scrambling to go find toilet paper for some reason. But you can see when things, when the supply chain stuff begins to crumble, it, it, food is going to be very hard to come by or, you know, much harder to come by than it has been. And, and, you know, back in the forties, World War II, there was, you know, things like rationing and that kind of stuff. But, and, and I'll actually bring that up here in a couple of minutes, because even during that time, there was some pretty amazing stats about the amount of people that were farmers and or gardeners during that time. And uh, if most of today's culture was placed back in the 40s when they had to go through the rationing and, and everything that was going on during World War II, there would have been far, far, far more casualties than what ended up being because of the the resilience of the people during that time period. And I'm actually going to give you some stats to, to, to really give a good example of what that was like back then. Um, and I've actually got that stat handy right now. So I'm going to read that to you because I think it's just a really kind of crazy image of what life was like back, you know, even not even a hundred years ago and how less dependent on these big supply chains we were back then and what that would mean if this was the case today. Uh, so the stat goes, and this was circling on Instagram, but I screenshotted it so I could read it specifically for this episode. Uh, so it says, take a moment to consider that 50% of Americans were farming in 1880. Less than Now, less than 2% of the nation is employed in agriculture. And obviously that's going to play a big factor when you've gained, you know, however many, you know, hundreds of millions of people, it seems in this country. Since then, that percentage is obviously going to drop, but to be less than 2% is kind of crazy. And then it goes on to say, from another perspective, in 1945, Americans grew 45% of their food in their own backyard gardens. Now we grow 0.1% of our food in our backyards, which that is really the more the, the direction I wanted to go more with this episode today, because that is just kind of a stat that blew my mind when I saw that, because that really, really shows the dependency on these institutions to provide food for us. And should anything happen to that, that would be beyond any of our control for the most part, uh, it's going to really hurt and really, really, really make a lot of people suffer. And so the point I'm getting to with this episode is we have these things in place that we've done all of human history that we've really just kind of abandoned. And that is the ability to be able to provide for ourselves. And especially when that comes to food. And so uh, the gardening thing is a great place to start. Uh, we're also going to talk a little bit about the hunting side of things. I understand a lot of people are you know, not necessarily in positions that they're going to be able to get into that right away. But I really would encourage you to look into that route uh, if you've never even considered it before, uh, because it's the most nutrient dense, healthy food that you could possibly eat on the planet. And you have the ability to go harvest it for yourself and and feed your family and feed yourself with it. And it's, you know, it's the ultimate way to survive really is to procure and and keep your own food. And so with the gardening thing is a little bit more accessible for most people because, you know, you can start with just a simple potted plant and start growing, you know, a one thing of peppers or something like that or whatever you're going to try and really just kind of dip your toe into the water with it. Or you can do what I did in year one, build two uh, four by eight foot raised garden beds and uh, half a dozen different potted plants for herbs and all that kind of stuff and kind of overwhelm yourself in year one, which 
if that's your jam, go ahead. But I took that as a lesson to not dial back at all, but actually to make it even bigger and more monstrous this year. Uh, so I kind of tend to do things backwards, I guess. However, it's a, it's a really easy, easy and accessible place for people to start is to just pick a plant and grow it and, and learn about what it is to keep a plant alive and harvest food from it and, and to get involved in that process of knowing exactly where your food comes from and bringing it from your land to your plate. It is basic. It really is the ultimate freedom activity that you can do if you're anywhere in the world to not have to be dependent on somebody else for something as life-giving and basic as food. Uh, that is the ultimate way to, to really survive and thrive in a world that so many people are becoming dependent on these systems. And so I wanted to really hone in on that message because I believe it's something that unfortunately... If, if we're looking at the culture and the state of where everything is going and the prices of, of food and all of these things that are beginning to, to go up, there's going to be a lot of people affected by this that they don't necessarily have to be if they can learn some of these skills and and start the process of growing and, and harvesting their own food. It's It really is, I think, to... The future is what we're going to be doing what we did 100 years ago and more, right? For all of human history until 100 years ago or even less than that uh, is taking care of ourselves, using our own land to grow our own food and going up in the mountains to harvest the protein that we that we also eat, right? Um, and so that is ultimately my my goal. And so I'm going to talk a little bit about what my goal, my ultimate goal is here in a few minutes. But uh, one of the questions that I've been getting asked is what is actually in my garden this year and how I've got it set up. So I wanted to just do a few minutes of kind of outlining what my current garden setup is. And, and please trust me that there are people that have uh, YouTube accounts and Instagram accounts and Facebook accounts, all this stuff that are so much better at gardening than I am. I follow most of them. I am by no means a source of authority on the gardening thing. Uh, it's just something and it. it's an experiment that I'm going with. Uh, so I can answer some questions to the best of my knowledge with what my limited experience is, but I would encourage you to really go and find some really great uh, YouTube accounts. And I've got a couple that I have written down that I wanted to make sure I note at the end of this episode. So you guys can go and see some of the things that I've learned from, uh, from some of these accounts as well to really, really have some great tips if you're just getting started. So uh, basically, I'll, I'll give you my whole setup. So I've posted pictures of the backyard at my place before on Instagram. So if you haven't seen those, uh, you might have to scroll back a bit, but they're up there. I'll probably do another post to kind of give you what it looks like now. Um, but I have a strip of a strip of land in our backyard that's just to the north end of this sidewalk that connects my house to my shop in the back. And it's about 50 feet long and about eight feet-ish wide. And that is where most of my bigger plants are, are going this year. I took out the two raised beds and I put those in different parts of the yard because uh, last year I had some, some issues with those that area never getting any shade at all. And so some of the things that I was growing that requires a little bit of shade, it just totally fried them. Uh, the lettuce and the salad stuff that was really um, needs a little bit more 
needs a little bit more cooler temperatures, a little bit more shade, partial shade kind of environment. It just fried them. And so I moved those into a different part of the yard. So, but in that main plot of land right there, it's not a very big strip at all. Like I said, 50 feet, maybe by eight feet. And so I've got, uh, we're doing watermelons, we're doing butternut squash, we're doing cabbage. I'm, I'm going from house to shed. I'm trying to remember in order of what everything is. So in the first section, it's watermelon, butternut squash, cabbage, and then we've got uh, zucchini, cucumbers, and then I've got two rows of potatoes. One row is uh, Yukon Golds, and then one row is red potatoes. And so that's the big plot that's in the ground on that section of land. And the reason I put all that stuff there is because that is those are all plants that need a little bit more spacing between the plants. And so it's tough to get multiple plants in something that's kind of a smaller raised bed. So I put that stuff in the ground because that needs a lot more room. Um, and then I took those two four by eight raised beds and put those in different sections of my yard in the back. So they're one of them is in a little bit more shade. One of them's in, in a partial shade. And the more shaded one is going to be, I kind of call it the salad box because that's got the different lettuces. Uh, it's got some onions. It's got some spinach. It's got some mustard greens. It's got, uh, what else is going to go in there? Oh, some, some spices and herbs are going to go in that one. Uh, and that's pretty much it for that four by eight bed. And then in the other four by eight bed, which is in a little bit more sun. I call that one the salsa garden. So that's got all of the peppers. It's got uh, garlic, chives. It's got some more herbs. And I feel like I'm forgetting something, but it's that that's my salsa garden. And then I also have a handful. I think I've got three planter boxes that are smaller, like two feet by one foot, and then a couple of pots that I'm doing uh, that I call like the tea gardens, which have... Uh, sage, Tulsi basil, um, mint, lemon balm, and a couple of those things that are that I use to uh, dry out and make teas with, or I just cut the leaves and put them in a mason jar and, and put the filtered water over it and drink it out of that, kind of like an enhanced water kind of thing that I've been doing for a couple of years, and it's awesome. So uh, that's the basic rundown. Uh, of what I'm actually growing. So I did everything from seeds this year. I didn't do any starter plants like I did in previous years. Um, so it's a little bit slower process. I'm just now getting some things popping up out of the out of some of the beds. So we're just very now at the beginning, obviously, because this is April. So nothing is really, you know, harvesting anything yet, obviously. Uh, but then the other question I get asked about is what am I doing in the mix in the raised bed specifically, what soil wise? And so, um, I was able to go to a local, uh, like farm store, you know, there's all kinds of them all over the country. So I don't know, you know, wherever you are, it's called Zamzo's up here. Um, but they have bulk, items like uh, topsoil and all that kind of stuff. So I was able to get some good quality uh, organic topsoil that I put in and I, I used a formula, kind of a math equation for the for the bed soil uh, that I got from one of the YouTube accounts uh, that I will talk about here in a minute. But it's anywhere from 50 to 60% topsoil, uh, 20 to 25% 
uh, compost. And so I had, because I don't have my own composting thing yet, I'm in the process of getting that going. Uh, so I just got some uh, organic compost from that same place, uh, mixed it in with the topsoil. And then I used some worm castings and some kelp meal as kind of like a natural fertilizer and let that stuff mix up. I haven't done any mulch or anything on the top of that yet. Um, but I will probably put a little bit more on, uh, or put some on the bed, the raised bed specifically once some of the starters and the sprouts start coming up a little bit more. I'm not going to, you know, smother them, but, uh, so far that's actually worked pretty well in, in keeping the weeds out. When I did the raised beds, I layered the bottom part of the bed with cardboard, uh, over the top to kind of smother the weeds. So I wasn't going to get any weeds coming through the beds. Plus cardboard, uh, is really worms actually really like cardboard. So it's kind of good to help get some good, uh, nutrients with the worms getting in there and uh, and doing their thing. So that's the basic structure of the raised bed specifically. And the smaller ones, I use just some organic potting soil. Um, nothing because it's, you know, they're not very deep. They're kind of just smaller little pots and stuff. So uh, I didn't do a big mix like I did in the bigger beds or in the ground. And then I did some of that same uh, uh, kelp meal and bone meal and some worm castings I, I sprinkled into the main area on the ground where the big stuff is. So that's the, the basic rundown of everything in the garden that I have. And because uh, I've been getting that question a lot about what I'm doing this year and it's bigger and, and it's going to take obviously a lot more work this year, which is fine because that's what, uh, that's what I was going for. I wanted to do that. So I actually, and then the other thing I get asked about is the watering thing. Uh, because I don't have a system in my backyard for automatic watering or anything like that, uh, I use old school, man. I put a, uh, like a attachment on a hose and I go out and I water everything every morning. So, uh, nothing's fancy as far as uh, watering protocols there, but I'm going to make that a priority probably next year and, and make that something that is a little bit easier on me that I don't have to necessarily do every single day by hand. So that's my basic garden setup. Uh, so I wanted to go over a at least one of the accounts that I have that has helped me a lot in with the raised bed stuff specifically. Um, but it's a YouTube account, and you may have heard of him because he's super super huge in the gardening world on YouTube. But his his YouTube account is Joe Gardener TV, uh, and he's got tons and tons and tons of videos and great content about how to set up backyard gardens and different things that he's done that makes his garden super successful. And his garden is awesome, by the way. If you go and you look at all the videos that he has, it's a pretty killer setup. Uh, and so that is the, the account that I've really leaned on the most outside of asking my dad, who's also in farming business, uh, for advice and that kind of stuff. Uh, but this uh, this account has helped a lot with doing some things in the raised beds. Specifically, he does everything in raised beds. So that's been some helpful tips in there. Uh, so go check that out. Joe Gardner TV, I think is what I said. Yeah, Joe Gardner TV. Um, I don't actually don't know how to pronounce his last name. So I, I'm not going to try it. But uh, go check out that YouTube account. It's super helpful. Uh, and then my what I wanted to close with was what my goal is for self-sustainability, I guess you could say. And I've got it set right now for three years. And a lot of this is just because I'm giving myself a little bit of a learning curve to really dial in how well and how much I'm going to do the gardening thing. And then you couple that with, uh, with hunting and procuring protein and meat that we're going to, you know, 
eat and live off of for a year and until next hunting season. Uh, my goal is in within three years, by three years from, you know, let's just say today, April 28th, 2021. So by April 28th, 2024, we are going to be able to, whether or not we are 100%, but we're going to be able to get all of our food that we eat for the year from either from the combination of uh, our land from our garden and from what I hunt. And that's just the overarching goal of everything. There's going to be some different ways that we go about that. And uh, we've talked about whether or not we're going to do chickens and that kind of stuff. And honestly, I'm a little nervous about that, not because of anything that I am going to do, but because I've got a dog that I'm not sure will handle chickens very well. Uh, but that's a conversation as well. So, I mean, there's a lot of things going into the self-sufficient, you know, uh, sustainable home, not, you know, you could call it homestead life. Sure. Um, but just not being reliant on anything system wise or institution wise when it comes to food, at least there's some other things, you know, that it's really difficult to break away from those systems. And, uh, but, I, but I found that the things that you can control, it's, it's important to take the steps necessary to begin to bring those into your control even more and break away from those systems. So food is one of those things. So I know I'm very new at this, but I wanted to share my experiences with you guys. And then if you have any questions, like, you know, like I said, you can ask me, but I have pretty limited experience. So I'd be more willing just to share what I'm going through and what my experiences are with the garden and with everything like that. So uh, that's pretty much all I wanted to touch on today. If you have any questions specifically, please reach out. Uh, Instagram DM is the easiest way to get a hold of me. That's the that's where I can be the most responsive. Um, if you haven't signed up for the newsletter, uh, please go to Nomad Strength, nomad-strength.com, sign up for the newsletter. And then I actually went a whole episode without doing my normal spiel at the beginning saying, if you have not yet, please go rate, review, subscribe to the show on all of your podcast platforms that you listen to. Um, if you have the ability to leave a review and write a couple of nice sentences about the show, if you like it, it really does help, you know, the algorithms have the show show up for more people and, and help this thing grow. So if you wouldn't mind doing that, if you like the show, please show the appreciation. And I really appreciate all of you guys that have done so already. There's been some great reviews and it really does help. So Thank you again. That was the solo show for this week. And I will talk to you guys on Monday. Mm -hmm.